Well, we come to our reading uh, we're from the, the start of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1, verses 1 to 6. Thank you. And <clears throat> uh, we're going to be working through uh, Matthew chapter 1 over the season of Advent. And today we're looking at just the first six verses. There's a few names in this. If I butcher any of them, I apologize. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. This is God's word to us. Well, we all have family trees, uh, which aren't just a bunch of names. I mean, when we write them out, they are a bunch of names, but they aren't just a bunch of names. They're actually a collection of stories about people's lives. And our family trees, our family past, our family genealogy affects us, even if we don't know it. Uh, they do affect us. And let me give you a couple of stories from my family tree. Uh, so I'm a Coots. We come from Scotland. And an ancestor of mine whose name we don't know, except that he was a Coots, we don't know his first name, um, he actually got conscripted by Bonnie Prince Charlie, who was just gathering up people to fight for him. When I say gathering, e.g., you will come and fight for us or we will kill you, um, which is conscription, isn't it? And anyway, this ancestor of mine got drawn into this and was not, was not stoked about the fact uh, he did not want to fight for Bonnie Prince Charlie. And so at the first instance he got, he legged it. Um, he got out of there. And he ran away and he went to a family of Alexanders. Alexanders. And quite likely he knew them and quite likely he knew that they would open their door to him. But they took him in, which was a risk to them as well. And he hid with them. And eventually he would marry one of their daughters. And when the, the war was over, the conflict was over, and they weren't looking for people who had fled from it, um, uh, he took their name, he could make his name known at that stage, but he took their name, Alexander. And ever since then, Alexander has been a name in my family. Usually for the oldest male, it would either be their first name or their middle name. So my dad is called John, but he's John Alexander Coots. That's where that name comes from. Didn't know that for years. But there's a story that my granddad would tell. It's sort of a story. There's no names involved in this. Um, but he would talk about how our family came from Aberdeen in Scotland. Um, this is like the north, northeast of Scotland, so to speak. And if you were at Aberdeen and had amazing eyesight, uh, you could look north, northeast from the coast, and you'd have to look about 500 kilometers, and you'd see Norway. Like Norway's just straight across there, so to speak. And my granddad would talk about how we Cootses had pale skin. 
I know I do have pale skin, which my wife points out to me from time to time. Uh, and he says, well, no, no, there's a reason for that. Uh, there is some Viking blood in us. Now, was it a friendly Viking visit or an unfriendly Viking visit? We don't know. Because the Vikings did come and trade. They would sail across and trade. Other times they didn't trade. Uh, one way or the other, <laughs> at least one Viking left something behind. Yeah. And I have pale skin. There you go. Families affect us. And this Advent, as we approach Christmas, I want to give you a family tree, a family history that affects you. Every time you see a Christmas tree, which, hey, we have a few around, don't we? But every time you have a Christmas tree this season, I don't want you to think about presents or commercialism. But I want, to th- I want you to think about the people and the stories you are going to hear in this family tree that lead us to Jesus. Because it is these people who are the background to Jesus. They are. They set the scene for him. And their stories are important. In fact, I'd say they're internally important. And I want to give you the key to understanding this family tree right from the start. Um, I give it to you because, well, Matthew gives it to us a few verses later in the same chapter. Uh, an angel is talking with Joseph. Not to ruin the story for you, there's a Joseph. And he tells Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son and you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That right there is the key you need to know. That Jesus is our saviour from our sins. Let's say your saviour for your sins. If you get that, you pretty much get it all. So hold on to this. Well, let's get into it though. And the first thing we are told is that this is the genealogy, it's literally the book of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And this is actually giving us a huge heads up about three things we are meant to connect. Three things we're meant to connect. The first one, the first dot, so to speak, that we're meant to connect is Jesus is the Messiah. This is not a random word. The Messiah is the same word as Christ. Messiah, Christ, same word, just different languages. And it means anointed or chosen, and it's used throughout the Bible. It's used quite a lot throughout the Bible for people God would choose or anoint for certain purposes. So it could be used of priests. In the Old Testament, priests would be chosen or anointed by God to be priests. They would um, stand between God and people. That was their role. It would be used of kings. Kings would be chosen by God and anointed for the role of leading God's people rightly. Some did, a lot didn't. It could be used of prophets. They were chosen or anointed by God for the role of teaching or correcting God's people, of bringing God's word to God's people. Uh, Surprisingly, in the Bible, it can also be used of people uh, that God chooses to save others. And there's a strange example in the Bible. In Isaiah 45, the word Messiah, or Christ, is used of King Cyrus. King Cyrus is not Jewish. He's not Jewish at all. He's about as opposite of Jewish as you can get, actually. But God says, no, actually, I choose King Cyrus to do my will. Through this foreigner, I'm going to rescue my people. 
this is the way I'm going to do it. And he is a Messiah. He is a Christ. So there are a lot of Messiahs across the Bible, but all of these examples fill out the picture that one day, one day there would be a Messiah. That one day we would find a Messiah who is the priest of all priests, the king of all kings, the prophet of all prophets, the savior of all, that the Messiah would come. This is dot number one we're meant to have. The second dot is that Jesus is the son of David. And this is important because God made a promise to David and God always, always keeps his promises. And in 2 Samuel 7, God promised David that when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I, I'll do it, David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. And the Jews were expecting this. They read this and they were going, oh, God's going to do it. We better, we better be looking for it. They were looking for God to fulfill this. They were looking for a kingly figure from David who would bring about a new kingdom. More on this next week. But this is dot number two. The third dot mentioned here is that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And like David, this involves a promise from God. And I want us to focus on this one today. God actually made this promise multiple times to Abraham, just to reaffirm it. But in Genesis 22, God tells Abraham, through your offspring, offspring are important, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now that's a big promise. All nations on earth will be blessed through your offspring. wonder how that's going to work out. And just the same as God's promise to David, the Jews were looking, looking for how God was going to fulfill this promise. And the point is that Matthew is telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment. And we should link these three dots. He is the Messiah, the chosen one of God, the one who will fulfill God's promises to David and to Abraham, connecting the dots. All right, now I'm going to show it to you. Well, not me. Matthew's going to show it to us. And then Matthew starts connecting these dots. He starts connecting the people. But he he points our attention at some specific parts of it. There's lots of names. I know. I'm not going into all of them. Because Matthew points our attention at certain people. So, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Okay, there's lots in the Bible about Isaac we could go into, but moving on. Isaac, the father of Jacob, tracking well. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. A little bit of comment about his brothers because Jacob had 12 sons where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. That's important. They get a mention, even if not named. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, the pattern's been broken up here. Tamar gets a mention. I mean, the two sons probably get a mention because they were twins, came out at the same time. But Tamar gets a special mention. Lots could be said about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but why is Tamar included right alongside Judah? And we're meant to take notice of her. We're meant to ask this question. Tamar's story is in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 38. Uh, This chapter 
uh, not to state the obvious, but it, it comes right after 37 and right before 39. But in these chapters in Genesis, we're actually being told the story of Joseph, one of Judah's brothers. In fact, you'll remember the one they sold into slavery. <laughs> Might give a little bit of a hint about the sort of person Judah is. But while Joseph has been sold into slavery and we're following this story, all of a sudden, like just out of the blue, the story flicks to Judah. Just for one chapter, just for this chapter, chapter 38. And there we're told that Judah's son marries Tamar, a Gentile. That's important. But he dies and Tamar is left a widow and Judah promises to take care of her by giving her one of his other sons. Might sound a bit strange, but that was sort of the way things worked there. Uh, He doesn't do it. Uh, He lies or he ignores her. And and one of the strangest stories of the Bible, really, if you want a strange story, read Genesis chapter 38. Uh, Tamar takes matters into her own hands. Uh, You have lied to me, Judah. You are ignoring me. So here's what I'll do. And she knows he's going to be going from one place to the other, so she dresses up as a prostitute. And Judah, her father-in-law, sleeps with her. This is the story pointed out to us in this genealogy. And the point of the story is for us to see how it shows, sorry, to show us Judah's sin. He doesn't keep his word, his promise to people. He is a man who will sleep with prostitutes. Do you get the sense he's not a righteous man? You should, because he's not. And that's the point. Tamar's actions, they're not commendable. There's actually lots in the Bible we read which we're not to do. (laughs) This would be one of them. But Judah's actions are terrible. He's not a nice guy, which again we should have suspected when he sold his brother into slavery. So should God save Judah? Should God save Judah, this descendant of Abraham? Actually, no, he shouldn't, but he does. You see, Judah lies and sleeps with whoever he wants, but God is at work. God is working through Joseph, this younger brother of his, the one who has been sold into slavery. And here's the point of the story of Tamar. Judah will sleep with a prostitute. But here is Joseph in Egypt, sold as a slave. And if you know the story, the queen of Egypt is trying to seduce him. And she is trying again and again, day after day. And he never gives in. He is righteous. And yet he still ends up in prison. And yet God is at work. And it is through Joseph that God will keep his promise and save his people. This is God. He is incredibly gracious. And despite all of our sin, our lies, and our sexual sin, God is true and he is working. He keeps his promise. And this is the story leading us to Jesus. Well, Perez is the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, great name, 
Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, I almost always nearly say Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother, here we go again, was Rahab. And a lot could be said about these people, but Matthew is drawing our attention to Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Uh, Not just any Rahab, but Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. The Bible does not hide, God does not hide this fact from us. doesn't even try to minimize it. If anything, tries to point it out. Here is an outsider of Israel. She is a Canaanite and she is a prostitute and she is pointed out to us. She is held up to us. What is going on here? What sort of family tree, what sort of story is this? Well, Rahab's story is found in Joshua 2, where she she receives some Jewish spies into her house and protects them. And there we hear her say to these spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are mounting in fear because of you. Rahab a Canaanite, a prostitute, hears what God is doing. And she of all people, she responds with faith. That's what she's expressing here, faith. She is an example of faith in God. Whatever her background, whoever she is and whatever she's done, here she's an example of faith. You know, she lives... And she becomes a part of God's story as well. Uh, I'm confident she didn't carry on being a prostitute, just in case that question was in your mind. But she becomes an example to us that the least and the unlikely, they can absolutely believe and they can live. They can. God will include them in his family. Well, Rahab leads us to another woman because... Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Matthew has taken us from Abraham and God's promise to him all the way to David. But he has one more surprise for us. Another woman. Ruth is an easy one to find in our Bibles because she has a book all to herself. (laughs) She has a book named after her. And her story is a lovely story. It's a lovely story if you know it, isn't it? of God's provision and care. Now, Ruth, will you be surprised, was not Jewish. Ah, She was a Moabite. And she was also a widow. She was a widow, and her mother-in-law was a widow as well. But Ruth, Ruth was loyal to her Jewish mother-in-law. So loyal. She said, where you go, Naomi, her mother-in-law, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Now, we could say things like that. The thing is, Ruth backed it up. She lived it out. Her words were not empty. She followed Naomi where she went. She lived with her. She cared for her. She would let nothing but death separate her from Naomi. And God provided for them. A redeemer came along, Boaz, came along, who was actually family through marriage, and went on to marry Ruth, 
And she and Naomi gained security where they had had none. They gained a future where they thought they had nothing. A son was born. Obed was born, who was the father of Jesse, the father of King David. Two promises of God have been linked for us. Abraham is now linked to David. And Matthew is connecting the dots for us. Do you see? These lead us to Jesus. God has brought these two promises together because God was working through them, working to bring the one who would save them from their sins. Do you remember the promise God made to Abraham? Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Look, we, we see that in the start of Jesus' genealogy. Outsiders, Canaanites, Moabites, are being brought in. You know what Jesus' words at the end of his time on earth, after he had risen from the dead, just before he ascended, he gave us a commission, a great commission, to go out into all the world and make disciples. We are the continuation of bringing people in, outsiders, into his family. Anyone and everyone can come in. Canaanites, Moabites, prostitutes. If they will have faith, they can belong. They can have a home. God's grace extends to them. And here's the thing, God has not finished yet. He's still working, still calling people, still bringing people to himself. Paul, who we've been following through Acts recently, would sum up the story of Christmas, this story, saying, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and I hope you will accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul is joining Judah and Rahab and a multitude of others, including me, saying that Jesus came to save the worst of sinners, And I know that because he saved me. But do you know this is true of you? Can you say it today that this is true of you? Can you? I want to hear it. Is there someone here who will say this is true of them? And I'm so glad to hear that. This is the story of our God who redeems sinners, who has been at this work for a long time and is at this work today as well. He has sent his son to redeem us, whoever we are and whatever we have done, if we will show faith like Rahab and like Ruth. And if you are here today and God has put something on your heart, do not ignore it. Come and talk with me. You need to sort this out. God doesn't want you on the outside. He has come to bring you in. He has sent his son to save you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you have given us a story, a story that is wondrous because it is full of grace that people don't deserve And in it, we see our own story because you have met us and you have called us to yourself and we do not deserve your grace. We are from far away and we have done things that are not right, but that has not stopped you. 
You have made your promises and you have fulfilled them. You have sent your son to do it, to redeem sinners, to redeem me, to redeem us. And oh God, I pray if there is anyone here today that that does not know the answer, that they will know that you have come to redeem them as well. May we be a people, O Lord, that this Christmas will remember what you have done, that these people are not just names, that they are stories, stories like our own, stories of your grace and your work, that you have been working and leading, preparing for your son, and he has come, he has done it, he has paid the price that we cannot, he has paid the price that we could be your children. So be glorified in us, your people, I pray. Help us to take this good news, indeed this hope that we have discovered, out into this world and to share it with others. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.